All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to talk about uh, just a couple of intermittent things when discussing both the Denver Nuggets and the Western Conference. Uh, I came out with my fa- one of my favorite charts that I do for the Denver Nuggets. It's my two-man net ratings chart that I posted on Twitter today. I was going to have a, a full article about this, but decided against that because we're actually doing a redesign on Mile High Sports for the website. So we're going to have some stuff that's populating over over there. Should go live on Wednesday at about 10 a.m. We're going to see what that looks like in general, but I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to get a good look at it, and I think everybody else, if you follow my writing on milehighsports.com, you'll be able to see that as well. So make sure to go check that out. I won't have an article up, but I will have an article post-game on Wednesday. I plan on going to the Houston Rockets game on Wednesday night. Should be fun. But so back to the net rating combos. I posted that article, the, the, the graphic on Twitter on Tuesday, and usually I accompany it with an article. Didn't do it this time for that reason. But I wanted to be able to talk about it here. I wanted to be able to talk about why this is important, what is the purpose of something like this, and then kind of share some of the data, some of the results that popped up from the small sample size that's already come up. But it's a strong enough sample size that you can start drawing some conclusions on what's going on. So we're going to do that in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we are going to expand upon the Western Conference, especially in the playoff field talking about where teams have really struggled, where teams have really excelled, and kind of go through the tiers again on what's actually happening so far. But first, let's do the net ratings. Let's talk about this. Uh, If you haven't already seen it, I did post that graphic, and I sort it based off of, well, kind of mostly starters in the first five spots, and then descending number of minutes or descending role in the next few spots. So I've got Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, KCP, who I called Kenny Pope because Kentavious Caldwell Pope does not fit into the box that I was putting all the names in. Bruce Brown, Bones Highland, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, Davon Reed, and Vlatko Chanchar. Those are the 13 players that have played the most amount of time for Denver. The other guys are... Ish Smith, who hasn't played a significant number of minutes to really qualify. Peyton Watson, Jack White, and Colin Gillespie. None of those guys really qualify, and I kind of expected that to be the case. But we've got 13 names, and there are plenty of minutes to go around. In some of these cases, I didn't put a number into the box because... There just isn't enough minutes to really draw a strong sample size. I use the cutoff of 50 minutes to try to come up with something tangible, to try to come up with something that I think would be helpful to read, but also not like overly uh, critical in situations where the sample is just too small. And then you've got like one bad run and it's all ruined. But still, like anything between 50 and 100 minutes is still a pretty small sample size. So 
Denver is going to be in that situation for a while where they're building out the data. They are trying to come up with what works, what doesn't. But when I went through this process, I kind of knew what I would expect, but it was even more drastic than even I thought. Where you've got the starters all have positive net ratings with each other. Bruce Brown also has some strong positive net ratings with everybody except Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., who spend the most amount of time with the bench of any of the starters because of their overlaps. And then all of the bench net ratings are negative. Every single one. It's pretty crazy. I I did not expect that. But every single one is negative except for some... Actually, nope, there are no exceptions. That's pretty funny. Uh, So we're going to go over some of the top ones and some of the bottom ones, talk about what the takeaways are from this, and then just really try to hit home why this matters. The top seven positive combos so far, the top one is not even a full-on starter combo. It is KCP and Vlako Chanchar, plus 17.4 net rating in 60 minutes. And that's across five games. So not a lot of time and not a, especially not a lot of games, but in the limited numbers, they've had success where guys like Vlatko and KCP are on the floor together. Now Vlatko in that case is often sharing the floor with other starters like Jokic and Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray, guys like that. Uh, but when we think about the the OKC game, the lineup that really helped Denver get across the finish line was Bruce Brown, KCP, Vlatko, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. And so I think it's helpful to have players like a Vlatko, like a Christian Brown, like a uh, – who else am I thinking really? Like Zeke Naji in, in some cases, but not most, where they can fill a small bit role – with that starting unit and just fit it, not necessarily do anything crazy. It's hard for a point guard to do that. So Bones Highland probably not going to do that as much. But if you are a complimentary wing, you can play well with that group. And I think Flacco does that reasonably well. He moves the ball, smart, plays good defense, and that absolutely helps. Other positive ones. Let's just run through all the Joker ones here because the two, like from two to six of the top seven positives are all Joker. You've got Joker plus KCP, which is plus 16.8 in 444 minutes. That's great. You've got Joker plus Aaron Gordon plus 15.2 in 444 minutes. Really, really good. Joker plus Michael Porter plus 14.4 net rating in 272 minutes. Joker plus Jamal, plus 13.2 in 373 minutes. So plenty of time. And then you've got Joker plus Christian Brown. He's the only other one. Plus 12.7 in 78 minutes. So not a ton of time there. Christian Brown sort of looks like he's fallen out of the rotation with the Nuggets right now. However, he can find ways to contribute, which is one of the things I like about him, like about Vlaco, like about Zeke, even like Davon Reed. You can find opportunities for those guys to succeed within a specific context 
if you ask them to do too much, it's probably not going to go well. But a lot of people work well with Nikola Jokic. The lowest net rating with Nikola is Bones Highland at plus 5.4. Now, I don't know what Zeke, Davon, and Vlaco look like. I know Jokic and DeAndre Jordan have not shared the floor together yet. But Jokic and Bones, if the lowest is a plus 5.4, you take that every day and twice on Sunday. And the final of the top seven positives. There are others that are in the like kind of close here, but this is the one that I wrapped up with. Jamal and KCP plus 12.4 in 373 minutes. They have found ways to be successful together. And it isn't just like, like Joker is the driving force. He's the guy that everybody plays with. But Murray and KCP being a great backcourt fit, that has really, really helped. And the vast majority of that time has come with those guys playing the one and the two. With Bruce Brown playing the three sometimes, Michael Porter playing the three, uh, Christian Brown playing the three at times. But most of the time it is Murray at the one, KCP at the two, and they've done great. Now, the bottom seven negative ones, these are ones where like, the majority of Denver's time is going to be focused in on these positive combos, especially with that starting group. But there are going to be times where none of those guys are out there. So it's hard to play the Joker-Jamal net rating with uh, at the beginning of the second of the fourth quarter because those guys just aren't on the floor together at that point. So you have to have other guys that can take over at that point. Unfortunately, most of the options have been horrible. Now, some of these are pretty low minutes still, so they can definitely change. I'm not writing anything home. But here's what I found. The bottom seven negatives. The worst one was Christian Brown and Zeke Nagy. 73 minutes minus 39 net rating. Now, 73 minutes isn't a long time. But what this says to me is that being a minus 39 in that time, you are just hemorrhaging points. Denver struggling to score in those situations. And they're obviously struggling to defend. And to do it over the course of 73 minutes, if you have a minus 39 net rating in like 10 minutes, that is what it is. Okay, you lost those minutes by about five. You are in a tough spot. It's fine. Not a big deal. But for Denver to be minus 39 net rating in 73 minutes, there have just not been enough good stints while both of those guys are out there. Now, some of it has come with Christian Brown out there and then Zeke Naji at the five. Some of it is Christian Brown and Zeke at the four. Some of that has come next to Nikola Jokic. Probably not enough has come next to Nikola Jokic. Let me just look that up here real quick. Um, but like, it does sort of feel like most of those minutes are coming in a complete bench context. So Denver isn't in... Like they're just not getting a lot of good opportunity to showcase each of those guys' skill sets in that case. Most of those guys are like there are better opportunities for them there. Um, okay, Nikola Jokic, Zeke Naji. They have played a total of so 
Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, Nikola Jokic have played a total of three minutes together. So most of those minutes, 70 of those 73 minutes have come with Nikola Jokic off the floor. So I'm not going to write home that lineup and say that it can't work with Nikola Jokic, but in terms of an actual bench lineup, it just doesn't work. Like those guys in that context, there's just not enough around them to really do well. So got to find another option. Next uh, worst, Bones plus Zeke, minus 29.2 net rating in 67 minutes. That's one of the reasons. It's it's kind of like just emphasizing that Zeke has not been good with the bench unit so far. There's been not a lot to like in general on, on most of the, the minutes that he's, that he's provided. Nothing really substantial. Bones has obviously struggled at various points this year. It has been entirely a struggle. Like he's shooting the ball exceptionally well. He is struggling to find guys at various points. But I do think that we've seen Bones and Zeke work together. But it was at the four. And most of the time it was Bones with Zeke at the four and then a traditional five. Now, can Vlatko kind of replace some of that? I don't know. But based off of what we've seen so far, I don't think the answer is yes in terms of uh, what the data is actually saying. Third worst, Christian Brown and Vlaco Chanchar, minus 25.4 in 58 minutes. Some of that is garbage time. I don't want to get this like, I don't want, I don't want people to be taken, taking this the wrong way because there have been times where Denver's lost those garbage time minutes by like seven points in four minutes. And that just ruins the net rating in such a small sample size. Can Christian Brown and Black Ochanchar work? Yeah, I think it can. Are they going to work and have they worked in this correct context? No, not not quite yet. So still need more time to figure out a lot of these. Same thing with Bruce Brown and Davon Reed. Like that's minus 23.9 in 88 minutes. That's horrible. That's that's definitely bad. Vlatko and Zeke Minus 22.5 in 66 minutes. Christian Brown and Dave Unreed, minus 21.7 in 68 minutes. But then here's the one that I think people will be a little bit concerned about. Bruce Brown plus Christian Brown, minus 18.6 net rating in 146. So keep this in mind. Of the top seven positive net ratings that I shared, the ones with the starters, the ones with uh, you've got a nice strong sample size of really positive play, none of those have been like more positive than the negative ones have been more negative. Like the lowest of the bottom, like of the bottom seven is minus 18.6. The highest of the top seven is plus 17.4. So Denver at this stage, their lows have been worse than the, or they've been they've been lower than their highs have been higher, and that's a problem because the starters have been fantastic, but if the bench gives it all away, then you're always going to be playing in close games because that bench is going to have to come in twice. You're going to come in from the first to the second, and then from the second uh, from the third to the fourth, and you are always going to be playing in a position where you are just behind the eight ball. Denver's got to figure out this bench. 
They have opportunities to do so. They haven't been fully healthy. But I don't look at the bench unit right now and think, okay, yeah, I know that this is the solution. I don't really know what the solution is. So going to have to play it by ear and figure out what that is over the course of these next 25 games. Now, the most important net ratings that I always look at in these exercises are Jokic and Murray, Jokic and Porter, and Murray and Porter in terms of how those guys are interacting with each other, the most important players on Denver's team, how are they playing together. Obviously, Jokic and Murray plus 13.2, very, very good. Jokic and Porter plus 14.4, even better. Like they have found some major success with those two groups. Murray and Porter, plus 7.3 in 250 minutes. Now, when it's all together with Jokic, Murray, and Porter at the same time, it's a little bit different. Plus 15.7 in 199 minutes. Now, just Murray and Porter by itself is has 250 minutes, and it's only plus 7.3. So the minutes, like the very brief amount of time that Murray and Porter have shared the floor together without Nikola Jokic has been horrible. Just, just so, so bad. It shouldn't be that way. We have data. We have a sample size from their first season together. Uh, uh, second season, actually, 2020-21, where those guys actually played well together, even without Nikola Jokic. So... I think part of it is both of those guys are trying to get back into playing together well. Part of it is that they haven't shared the floor together in a long time. Part of that is they're each individually working to get back together. So I do think that that is going to have to be one that is monitored over the course of the next 25 games. If that can get to the right direction, then Denver will be in a good spot. If not, then I don't know. I think that Denver's bench might be unsolvable at that point because I don't know what you throw at that bench in the hope of getting it to stick. Bones and Bruce Brown, when they play together, they are the leading bench guys, the players that play the most minutes off the bench. Minus 14.2 in 179 minutes. They have not been able to drive winning while that bench lineup has been out there without the starters. Is it their fault? I don't know. Like, Bones has a lot of pressure on him. Bruce Brown has a lot of pressure on him. Have they played well in those situations? Not really. Jokic and Bones, as I mentioned, plus 5.4. Probably need some more time with Jokic and Bones. Michael Porter and the bench guys. Jamal and the bench guys. Those are lineups that I'm always trying to monitor. Nothing that I'm going to list out here, but something that everybody should keep in mind. And then... Christian Brown, the fact that he was so negative on this chart isn't great. He has uh, two positive net ratings out there. With Jokic, he's a plus 12.7. With Michael Porter, he's a plus 2.5. Everybody else, he's a negative. Uh, KCP, Bones Highland. Now, Bones and Christian Brown, only a minus 3.2, which when you think about all of the other massively negative ones that I listed. Minus 3.2 isn't bad. You take that. Like if, if that's the worst that you can get, then that's fine. 
absent from these discussions, by the way, Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan, because they've been kind of normal bad, not necessarily horrible, but every single combination with Jeff Green, like with Jamal, Jeff Green and Jamal Murray is minus 13.1. That's not good. Jeff Green and Bruce Brown, minus 14.0. That's horrible as well. Everything else is kind of like normal bad. And then DeAndre Jordan, same thing. He's actually better in general than what Jeff Green has shown. Minus 2.8 with Jeff Green or with uh, DeAndre Jordan and Jamal Murray. And minus 10.4 with Jeff Green, not Jeff Green, with DeAndre Jordan and Bruce Brown. And then Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan is minus 8.5. Whereas Bones Highland and Zeke Naji is minus 29.2. So you be the judge. I'm here to tell you that DeAndre Jordan hasn't been that bad. Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes visually it looks that way. It isn't actually that bad. And Nuggets fans have to understand that DeAndre is here to play a role, not necessarily to be the full-time backup. When he's out there and in the proper role, he's fine. It's not the worst thing in the world. But either way, uh, net rating duos, interesting stuff. I do think that this is a, like, it's one of those things that can really help start shaping some narratives. Uh, The starters and Bruce Brown have found ways to be positive altogether. Everybody is positive with Nikola Jokic. Nobody is positive with the bench unit. Bruce Brown is sharing the majority of that burden with his net ratings. But I do think that he also may just not be a good fit with the bench. So wouldn't surprise me if Def- if Denver tried to use Bones and Ish Smith a little bit more together. Maybe Bruce Brown takes a game off or two. Maybe he just staggers and plays a smaller role, but permanently with the starting unit. We'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the rest of the Western Conference and do some stuff with that. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands. They'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium or in the arena to enjoy sports this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right, let's get through to the Western Conference and talk about, man, it's just a weird Western Conference this year. You go through the standings, you try to figure out what the heck is going on, and it's hard. It is a difficult thing. It's a difficult uh, process. I spoke about this briefly on last night's episode, but you look at the playoff picture. Phoenix is at the top, 
They are 14 and 6. They are playing really well. Denver, they are right behind Phoenix at 13 and 7. Denver's point differential isn't as strong. That is definitely shifted by some blowouts here and there and some absences for Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon and whatever. But behind them, seeds 3 through 10 in the West range from 12 and 8 to 10 and 10. It's two games of separation for seeds 3 through 10. That's a lot. That is just a, a massive, like I called it an amoeba in my notes, and I think that that's totally fair. I think that Denver is trying to stay above water. They are trying to navigate and try to play their best basketball. But the fact is that nobody's really playing at an elite level right now, even the Phoenix Suns. Like, I think they'd be the first to admit that they have some issues and that they're trying to work through it. They're They have competent players and they have a formula that they can trust to and go to. But right now, Chris Paul isn't a part of that formula. Cam Johnson has been out. Jay Crowder has been out. They're dealing with other injuries as well. It is clearly a situation where everybody is dealing with something. Now, a lot of people can feel pretty happy about their situations knowing that, hey, it gives like we we have a strong week and we could be up at the top of the West or pretty close to it. And that's true. Right now, based off of the standings, that's definitely true. But so much of this first 20 games or so, the, the quarter mark of the season, it's just about building your house. And what I mean by that is, what is your identity as a team? Who are you? What do you want to be known as? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to develop? Next, which guys can you count on? Like who are the players that you're going to go to when the times get tough? When it's really winning time, who are you going to rely upon the most? And then what what actually works? What doesn't actually work? All of these teams are going through that process. They're trying to navigate those questions. And the sooner that they get to those answers, the better they will play down the stretch, the better they will play immediately after that. Teams have to figure out their stuff. They have to figure out what goes well, what does not go well. And Denver is no different. They are trying to navigate all of these issues. As I mentioned, Denver starters and pretty much every combination with those starters, it's been pretty good. Anything that you throw around Nikola Jokic right now is working. Everything else is not working. So Denver's still got a whole bunch of stuff that they've got to figure out for that reason, or else they're going to lose games that they shouldn't lose. Now, what works? What doesn't? Every single team in the West, they're trying to figure that out. They're going through the same process at the same time, and this time around, they're having similar results. It's not a situation like, uh, you remember the 2018-19 season? When Denver got off to that massively great start, they were either first or second in the West for the first 40 games of the season. And it wasn't even really close. Like the other team that was playing around with them, I'm pretty sure was the Warriors. But the Nuggets and the Warriors were going back and forth in the standings that year. And Denver got out to this awesome lead and nobody quite really knew how to catch up to them. 
the Grizzlies did the same thing. Maybe not last year specifically because they were kind of at this stage, they were about where the Nuggets are. Maybe not the Nuggets, but they're probably about where most of these teams are. They had an injury to John Morant and then they proceeded to win 11 of the next 13 or 13 of the next 15 games or so without John Morant. And that was crazy. That was a crazy thing to do. And they were a team of destiny at that point. But more of what I'm trying to get at here is you can figure stuff out at different points in time. It's not necessary to figure it out early. It's not necessary to figure it out at a specific time. Every team is different. Every team is trying to go through that process. But because all the West teams are doing it at the same time right now, and they're having the same level of success for the most part, that's why the records are basically the same. Like Denver, could they be a better record? Could they be 15 and five right now? Sure. But because they had some of those weaknesses and because they had a loss to Detroit that they shouldn't have lost, because they lost to the New York Knicks when they shouldn't have lost, their record is a little bit more pushed into place. And that's fine. Now what happens is some of these teams are trying to separate themselves from each other. Through 20 games, most of the teams and most of the records are pretty much, uh, they are pushed together. They are uh, joined together. I'm I'm trying to come up with the word in my head, but uh, everything is compressed. Like all of the standings are compressed. The bottom is not that bad. The top is not that good. That's where we're at. But I think it's pretty clear what the tiers are looking like at this stage. The teams that are not a threat really under any circumstances are the Houston Rockets, who the Nuggets have just faced and they will face again on Wednesday, the San Antonio Spurs, the OKC Thunder, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Those are the four teams that are at the bottom of the standings, and it makes sense that those are the teams that have struggled. I think everybody thought that those teams would be at the bottom of the standings, except maybe flipping the Lakers with the Utah Jazz. And that's one of the things that kind of gets weird at the beginning of the season. The Utah Jazz were much better than people thought, but the Utah Jazz are also 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. Their point differential has come back to earth. They are 12 and 11 as a team. They are returning back to where they were, but they're not quite what some of these other bad teams are. Like the Lakers are horrible. The Thunder have fallen back down to earth. The Spurs, the Rockets, etc. These teams are just not good. Now the teams in the next tier, those are the teams that are figuring things out slower than the other teams. I don't want to write them off because I think it's very possible that they could be better and more surprising than a lot of people think. The Dallas Mavericks and the Minnesota Timberwolves are in this tier. Now, I could technically put the Golden State Warriors in this tier, but I'm giving them more credit because I think everybody probably should, even though Luka and the Mavericks beat Golden State tonight. They beat them in Dallas, and it was a very strong game. Luka had a 40-point triple-double, and the Warriors barely lost still. They had a chance to tie it right at the end. 
that doesn't say great things about Dallas, in my opinion, where you're at home and you need a 40-point triple-double from Luka just to eke out a win. But that's kind of who they are. They are still trying to figure out who they are without Luka Doncic. When when they've got Luka on the floor, they're pretty good. But they're not quite the level to some of these other teams. That should scare them. Same thing with – actually, not the same thing with Minnesota. Minnesota fans have got to feel horrible. Minnesota's lost three in a a row. They are 10 and 11. They are currently in 11th place. Now, they are a half game back of ninth. They're like a half game back of the Warriors, half game back of the Mavericks. But it still just doesn't feel like they are around those teams. And yet, they've won enough games against a pretty weak strength of schedule that they've been able to survive by the skin of their teeth. If they figure some things out, then they'll be fine. I don't have as much faith that they will figure some things out, but I do think that they'll still probably be at least a play-in team. Like, they may not get into the top six, but that's fine. One of these teams had to fall out. Next, who are the paper tigers? The teams that think of themselves maybe as, hey, we could we could really do something. And which teams are actually not that team? I'm thinking Portland, who is currently losing to the LA Clippers without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Portland's losing at home right now. Uh, those teams are, like, it's very possible. Oh, yeah, they actually just lost. So, yay, cool. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Portland. But yeah, Portland, definitely a paper tiger. Yes, they did not have Damian Lillard. It does not matter. They are one of those teams that got off to a really, really hot start. Then their superstar got hurt. And then they were not functional without him. And that has really borne true. That has been very clear based off of what's going on. And when you're that dependent on one player... That player better be great, and Dame is good. He's not quite to that level of some of these other guys, and the rest of their supporting cast is just, like, I just don't have a lot of faith in them them stepping up around him. Jeremy Grant is fine. Anthony Simons is fine. They've had some great moments, especially great scoring moments, but their defense is what's going to kill them. Like, they gave up 118 points to the Clippers. That should not happen. Nuggets fans just saw the Clippers. Denver gave up 104 to the Clippers, and there were times where they were pretty unhappy with their own defensive effort. So, is what it is. So, you've got Portland. I think Utah is in this tier. They're not quite in the not a threat tier, but they are kind of close to that, honestly. Utah's really coming back down to earth, and they'll probably sell at some point. The Clippers are in the steer, by the way. They are not quite like I don't think they can be really be considered a good team or a great team until Kawhi Leonard shows up. Until he plays and could show that he can play for an extended period of time. I just don't trust that. And until he plays, I don't really feel like I have to justify that. It's just it's been weird. It's been very, very weird. Jamal Murray got hurt at the same time, has recovered, has started playing well, has played consistently, 
and Kawhi. Obviously, he's had his own injury history in the past, but this is still getting weird. It's not exciting at all. And then the Kings, like the Beam, they are, they've lost their last three games in a row, but they had been in a really solid position prior to that. Had some good wins, done some good things. Denver plays them on December 27th and 28th, Eden Sacramento both times. So I'm curious to see what that team looks like in a situation like that. I think that Sacramento is probably going to hover around 500 until then. Probably not going to win a bunch of games, but probably going to stay at around this point. And like a lot of these other teams, they'll be fine. They won't be great, but they'll be fine. But yeah, they have basically the same record as Portland. And yet Portland has everybody feeling some kind of way. And that's just not how anybody should really feel. And the good teams. Who are the actually good teams? Golden State, I think, is an actually good team. They did just lose their last game to Luka Doncic and the Mavs. I understand that. Still think Golden State is good. Still think they are trying to navigate some bench concerns, kind of like Denver. Den- the difference is Denver has played better in general than Golden State with their bench. And that's like pretty crazy to say. But Golden State starters are still awesome. There's no doubt about that. The Memphis Grizzlies, they are good. I don't know if they're great, but they are an actually good team. They've had some injury issues. Desmond Bain just went out of the lineup. Jaron Jackson came back to the lineup and has been pretty good. So they are navigating some things, but they're kind of meh good. Not necessarily anything to write home about, but they are the classic. We are trying to figure out things and we're trying to do it while winning. But they are very much in the similar boat to Denver. Like very, very close. Except I believe in Denver's top end more so than I do Memphis. And New Orleans. New Orleans is also a good team. They have the second best point differential in the Western Conference behind Phoenix, plus 5.5. The next highest point differential for any of these teams is Dallas, all the way at plus 1.8, but in 10th place. So the West has been weird. There's definitely been some weird things. Uh, Denver's point differential of plus 1.4 is tied with Memphis, but Sacramento has a higher point differential. So Hard to tell what's real, what's fake, what's deserved. But I do think that the Pelicans are a good team. They have the formula to be good. They don't necessarily have the defensive formula to be good. But they figured some things out. They have some more talented defenders than Denver does at various positions. Uh, Herb Jones is fantastic. Jose Alvarado has been very good for them. And then I, I do like the duo of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. They have figured some things out. They can stack those guys. It's nothing crazy, but they've got so many good rotation pieces there that they can mix and match, even a little bit better than Denver can. And then Denver, I have them in this tier as opposed to a higher tier. Denver is good. I don't think that they are great, at least not yet. They have some things to figure out, but they are much closer to Golden State and what they have been navigating than what a lot of people want to admit. Although Denver at least can win on the road. Golden State, 
nine and one at home. Golden State's only loss to Denver uh, in the second game of Denver season. Golden State's two and ten on the road, as opposed to Denver's eight and five. That is the big disparity. That is the reason why the Nuggets have been able to be as good as they are. They have more road wins than any team in the West. More road wins than any team in the NBA. Boston's only played 10 road games uh, compared to Denver's 13. So that's probably why. But Denver's 8-5. and five, Boston's 7-3. and three. Denver deserves a lot of credit for having a strong, strong win percentage, even away from home. But they still have some things, some things to figure out. Obviously, when you lose to Detroit... It's hard for me to call you the best team in the NBA when you are best team in the West. When you lose to New York, even when it's without uh, Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon, Denver still has some things to prove. There's no doubt about that. I think they have shown that. And as I talked about throughout the first segment of this podcast, Denver has a lot to navigate in terms of finding out what works and what doesn't. But their top end, still much better than just about any teams in the NBA. Jokic and every combination with him has been really, really good. That is the most important thing for Denver. And as long as they could find just one or two other things that work reasonably well when Jokic sits, they'll be fine. Most of what it is, is about enhancing what Jokic does when he's on the court. So if you can get that to a place where you're winning those minutes every single time, Denver's going to win a lot of games, and they're going to win playoff games too. I think Denver deserves a lot of credit for navigating the early parts of their uh, season with as many as many road games as they've had. Definitely an issue, but they've found a way, done pretty well, and obviously deserve a lot of credit. But I do think that Phoenix has been the best team. Phoenix is 14-6. and six. They have a plus 6.7 uh, point differential, which is the best in the West, second best in the NBA to Boston at plus 8.4. The Suns have also had to navigate their own issues. Chris Paul has not been the same player, but he's still been very good. Devin Booker has been a legit MVP candidate, deserves a lot of the credit that he's getting. DeAndre Ayton, lo and behold, still very good. Mikhail Bridges has taken a good step forward. He's very good as well. Uh, but campaign probably the big story for them, given what he's done stepping up for uh, Chris Paul in his absence. Campaign's been very good, been navigating things really well, handling the ball. But Mikhail Bridges, 16 points per game, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. Very competent, very good. Devin Booker, not as efficient of a scorer as he has been in the past. But 28 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, it's pretty solid. He has helped put them into a really good place. And he helps make everybody more efficient around him because of how much uh, attention he takes up. So, deserves a lot of credit. It's been good on both ends of the floor. The Suns, the only team in the NBA, or at least the only team in the West, that is at least close to top 5 offense and top 5 defense. They haven't been like spectacular, but they have been the best. So not like not like they're unbeatable. Not like they're 
they're not even really peaking. Like they're not, they're just playing well. They're not playing great. But no, no teams are. No teams are at this stage. I don't think we have seen the best of what the Suns can do. Don't think we've seen the best of what the Warriors can do. Don't think we've definitely seen the best of what the Clippers can do. And I definitely don't think we've seen the best of what Denver can do. All of those teams have another level. I think that the Clippers will probably move out of this paper tiger tier that I have in them, that I have them in. I think that Kawhi will probably play at some point. Paul George will probably play at some point. When those guys come back, they'll find ways to be good. Find ways to be maybe great. And then I think the West will probably start to normalize at that point, but not before. Still a lot of weird stuff going on, and that's fine. It's fun. All right. That's all I've got. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow night after the Denver Nuggets play the Houston Rockets once again. I will be at that game. Probably try to be a shoot-around in the morning as well, so look out for stuff from me. But for now, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support, as always. Talk to you guys tomorrow.